Well, good morning. Welcome here, brothers and sisters. Excited to be with you this morning. I just want to pray before we begin. Father God, we thank you for your peace that was purchased for us by the blood of Jesus Christ. I pray that our hearts would sing your praise because of what you've done for us. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. When Bobby and I were dating, Bobby's my wife, um, in between my second and third year of Bible college, she stayed here because this is where she's from, and I went home to Saskatchewan where my family is uh, just outside Prince Albert. So we were apart for a few months, and that was kind of a problem because I really liked her, and I kind of wanted to, you know, be around her, but, you know, had to work and make money so I could go back to school. But the end of the summer came, and I had to go back to school early, and uh, it was my last day of work, and I was just like, this is the worst last day of work ever. Hadn't seen her for months. Uh, So finished work at 5 o'clock, run home, grab my stuff, throw it in my vehicle, and I think I like said bye mom, bye dad. I didn't even give him a hug, and I just took off. I was like, I'm coming up here. I want to see my girlfriend. I like her. But I mean, it was late at night. Uh, Well, eventually it got late at night because it's like 13 hours driving to to get here. Um, And so I'm driving along, and it's like hitting, you know, 7, 8 o'clock. I'm like, I'm I'm hungry. But I can't stop. I don't want to stop and eat because then it takes time away from the sooner that I can get there to see her. I was driving, getting later and later in the evening, and, and those who know me, driving late at night is not super great for me because I get kind of tired and sleepy. Um, as a kid growing up in our house, like we do family trips, and I would just sleep every time we get in the vehicle, and I think that's kind of like programmed in, you know, into me somehow, but like, you know, holding my eyes open, you know. Somebody told me like, peel grapes with your teeth, like to help keep you awake, so I was trying to peel grapes with my teeth. Just peel a grape, that's weird. Um, eating sunflower seeds, trying to stay awake. Eventually, like, I can't stay awake. This is, you know, this is not good. I need to sleep. So I pull over. I found some church parking lot somewhere along the way. Pulled over, slept there for a couple hours. But I was like, I need to get up here. I just want to see, you know, see my girlfriend so bad, who's now my wife. Um, I just wanted to be with her that badly. Eventually, I got here, safe and sound, obviously. And it went great. Um, but I was thinking, I was like, do I want to be with Jesus that badly? Like, is that, is that how much I want to spend time with Jesus and be with him? The two passages I want to look at today talk about fasting. I'm going to be looking at that together. Now, fasting expresses our desire to be with Jesus. So what is fasting? Well, in its simplest form, Fasting is just not eating food for a set amount of time. And we all do it, whether you intentionally do it or not. That's why we have breakfast, which is break our fast from the previous night before. But fasting is not just a Christian thing. No, fasting is actually something that you can find in every culture and every religion throughout the entire world. So what is it that makes Christian fasting very different? That's what I want to look at today. It's very different because it has a very different purpose in your life. First off, 
Fasting is actually not commanded in the New Testament. In the Old Testament, we have one command for the nation to fast, and that was one day, once a year, the day before the Day of Atonement, they were commanded to fast. So there is a big difference between New Testament fasting, which is what I would submit that, that we would do today, and Old Testament fasting. I'm going to get to that in a minute. See, we have commands from Christ for a lot of things in Scripture. We have commands to, for communion and baptism and discipleship and evangelism. You know, and the highest command that we have from God is to love God and to love our neighbor. So I want to be clear up front. Now, for some people, for some of us, fasting is just not an option because of health reasons. And I think that's something that God knew, and that was something he made provision for just because another way to show how good he is and how much he loves his children. But there are more things you can fast from than just food. There's many different types of fast that you can do. If uh, you haven't picked it up yet, our uh, Pray First um, 21 Days of Prayer document um, that we have, I think there might be some of the info desk, or you can get it on our Church Center app. Download that in the App Store or the Google Store. Um, you can get that document in there, and it has a wonderful explanation and, and options and gives you plans and whatnot of different types of fasts and different fast plans. But you can fast for more than just food. I mean, TV, media. Um, I mean, the Bible even talks about, uh, for married couples, fasting from sex. Um, I mean, it does say that it should be for a very limited time, uh, and that you should be praying a lot in between that as well. But moving on from that. The first passage that I want to look at, uh, Matthew chapter 6, starting in verse 16 to 18. What I find interesting, and that many scholars have noted about these passages, is that Jesus does not command fasting. He just simply expects that it's going to happen. We said it here in Matthew 6, starting 16. He simply says, when you fast... Do not look sullen like the hypocrites, for they make their faces unattractive, so that people will see them fasting. I tell you the truth, they have their reward. But when you fast, put oil on your head, wash your face, so that it will not be obvious to others when you are fasting, but only to your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. Two times in there, he's like, when you fast. This is just an expectation that it will happen. We also see this in Matthew chapter 9, uh, 14 and 15. He says, can, a wedding guest, can the wedding guests mourn, this is what Jesus said, as long as the bridegroom is with them? The days will come when the bridegroom is taken away from them, and then they will fast. He says it again, then, when you fast, then, then you will fast. He's just ex expecting it. And I want to look at this passage again, specifically Matthew chapter 9, 14 and on. Uh, because I think it gives us some keys as to what this fasting looks like and what this fasting is about. See, when Jesus was on earth with his disciples, Jesus with his disciples, they didn't fast. In fact, it was kind of the opposite. They went to banquets and parties and, and feasts. Um, and now John the Baptist, him and his disciples, they saw this and they were kind of confused. They're like, your lifestyle is very different from our lifestyle. And so John sends his disciples. Um, it says, actually, Jesus says this in Luke 7.33. He says, John the Baptist has come, 
eating no bread, drinking no wine, and you say he has a demon. But the Son of Man has come eating and drinking, and you say, look at him, he's a glutton and a drunk, a friend of tax collectors and sinners. Jesus was known as someone who went to parties and feasts and banquets. Now John, confused, concerned, questioning, sends his disciples to ask Jesus. So this is what we pick up in Matthew chapter 9, starting in verse 14. Then the disciples of John the Baptist came to him saying, Why do we and the Pharisees fast, but your disciples you don't fast? Jesus says to them, Can the wedding guests mourn as long as the bridegroom is with them? The days will come when the bridegroom is taken away, and then they will fast. Now, there's something very important culturally that we need to take note of that um, I think sheds a huge light on this and like some other awesome parts of Scripture as well. But in ancient Jewish culture, up till about the 12th century, Weddings and marriages were not practiced the way that we practice them today. Typically, we have like the engagement, the wedding ceremony, and that's, that's it. It's done. There was another step that they would have. So they would have their engagement or their, their agreement, um, and then that would lead up to the wedding ceremony where they would have what we would call the wedding ceremony. They would exchange the vows. They would uh, you know, give the bride price, uh, and then they would legally be married but they would not live together. They would not move in yet together because what the groom would do is he would go and he would prepare a place for his bride. So I know maybe if he was young, he didn't have a house yet, he would go and he would build a house. You know, he would get things in order. I mean, if he was a bachelor, maybe he'd have to go and clean his house. You know you know what I'm saying, ladies? Um, but this is what they would do. And the bride at this time would be waiting. She would be preparing and getting all her stuff ready and packed so that when he showed up, she'd be ready to go. Because, I mean, they didn't have cell phones. He couldn't be like, hey, I'm on my way. Get ready. No, he was like, all right, I'll be back when I'm ready and everything's done. And this could have been up to a year of time. So what Jesus is saying is you can't fast when the bridegroom is with you because Jesus was saying that him being on earth was his wedding ceremony. Which, his, which was his celebration of being married to the church. Because Jesus is the bridegroom and the church is his bride. So we couldn't fast when Jesus was on earth because that was the celebration. That was the party. He was getting married. He made his vows. He stated his commitment. He paid the bride price for us. And he said, I'm coming back for you. And so now we're waiting. We're waiting for the groom to return once he's done building uh, our future, our house, our home in eternity. So are we ready? The brides had to be packed and ready because he could show up at any time. Are we packed and ready? But right now, in this time, we are waiting for his return. We are longing for his return. We pray for his return. And that is why we fast. It is expressing our longing for his return. It is a hunger for Christ, not a physical hunger. 
But Jesus says something important about the fasting that we are doing right now. He goes on in this passage in, nine, in Matthew nine fifteen. He says, no one puts a piece of unshrunk cloth on an old garment, for the patch tears away from the garment and a worse tear is made. Neither is new wine put into old wineskins. If it is, the skins burst and the wine is spilled and the skins are destroyed. But new wine is put into fresh wineskins, and so then both are preserved. What he's saying is he's saying this fasting that you're doing now is not going to be like what you used to do back in the day. In the Old Testament, they fasted before the Day of Atonement. They fasted in hope of that day. But the day has come, right? Your sins have been atoned for in the blood of Jesus Christ on the cross. So we're not fasting looking forward to something. We're fasting on the fact that something has already happened. That's our foundation. Forgiveness has freely been given to you by Jesus Christ and his death. See, the fasting that Jesus talks about is not about following the rules. It's not about checking off a box off your list. It's not, well, I guess I'm supposed to fast today, so I'm, I'm going to do it. And we just like white knuckle our way through it in our own strength and be like, oh, it's so hard. I'm fasting, but I can, I can do this. No, it's not in our own strength. Because that misses the whole point. Jesus did it. We can't. It has to be in his strength. He's saying one type of fasting is legalistic. It's the rule following. It's the, I have to do this because I'm told to, so I check it off the list. The other side is a longing for Christ. It's a desire that grows in us that says, he is better than any food I could have right now. And you can't mix those two types of fasting. Because if you do, it'll explode in a sticky, wet mess. It's out of a longing for Christ. A longing for more of Christ. Saying that he is better than food or whatever it is you're fasting from. But we have a hard time giving up food. I have a hard time giving up food. Why is that? Well, it's because my flesh fights back. When we fast, it is our spirit that leads our flesh. We're saying the flesh is not in control, it is Jesus Christ, it is the spirit. We take back control. But I was thinking about this, and I've been thinking about this a lot, in the last few months, how much control does your body, your flesh, have in your life? We take a lot of cues from our body. I mean, some of them, yes, good cues to take. Burn your hand, that's hot. Okay, that's a good cue to take. But what about, like, when you eat? Well, I eat when I'm hungry. Or what you eat? Well, well I'm, I'm really craving something right now, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go get some of that. Maybe when you sleep, I'm tired, I need to go to bed. How long you sleep? I mean, even when we go to the bathroom. If we're cold, if we're hot. When you want to buy something, oh, I really want that. Man, hitting the snooze button, that is the flesh in control all day long. So do we take our orders from our body or from Jesus? Because I think fasting deals a punch in the face to our flesh. It's like, no, you're not in control. We'll fight back. 
Paul even says this in 1 Corinthians. In chapter 9, he says, I discipline my body and keep it under control. And in chapter 6 as well, he says, I will put my body into submission, for I will be mastered by nothing. Whatever masters you controls you. And shouldn't it be Christ who bought us? It's such a high price. We should not be mastered by anything but Christ. Not by fear, not by desire, not by want, not by addiction, not by despair or depression, not by food nor drug. I'll be mastered by nothing but Jesus Christ, my gracious and loving Savior. But why is it that I still sleep in? Why do I choose to sleep in continuously? Well, for me, I think it's because I I love sleep more than Jesus. In that moment, I choose sleep over him. But this is the reality, friends. Jesus is better. Jesus is far better. He's better than food. He's better than sleep. He's better than family or friends. He's better than life itself. Because Jesus is life. Jesus is eternal life. Jesus is a friend that sticks closer than a brother. Jesus is our healer. He's our sustainer. He's our comfort. He's our provider. He's our joy. He is our hope. He's the king of kings and the Lord of lords. He's our bread. He is our resurrection. Do we want that? I want that. More and more and more, an increasing measure in my life. I think what has happened is we've believed the lie from the enemy, that the temporal things, the good gifts that God have give, has given us on this earth, we believe the lie that those are better than Jesus, than better We believe a lot that those are better than the one who made them. But they pale in comparison. They're not even worthy of being compared to the glory of the risen Christ. This is what Paul says. He says, I desire to depart and be with Christ, which is better by far. Do we believe that it is better by far to be with Christ than anything on this earth? I mean, God knew this would happen. He warned us, because he's a good father. In Deuteronomy, in chapter 8, 12, when you become full, this is his warning to the people before they go into the promised land. When you become full and prosperous and you've built fine homes to live in, when your flocks and herds have become large, your silver and gold have multiplied, along with everything else, be careful. Do not become proud at that time and forget the Lord who's the one who gave you all those things. So this is my cry out to our souls. To wake up to the beauty, the splendor, the supremacy of Jesus Christ. Because Jesus is what you need, friends. Because he is a friend 
to those who seek him. He is near to the brokenhearted, to those who humble themselves. See, this is the goal of Christian fasting, to bring us closer to Jesus. Because he's the focus. He's the goal. He's the foundation. He's accomplished it. He is the hope. It's all about Jesus. It's always all about Jesus. How can we forget that? I forget that. The enemy works hard to make us think Jesus is small and not important. But don't forget, there is no hope without Jesus. There is no peace in your life without Jesus. There is no victory in your life without Jesus. So fasting is a longing, an expression of longing for Jesus. And when we fast like that, Scripture says that we are rewarded. It says that in Matthew 6, 16 to 18. When you fast, do not look sullen like the hypocrites. They make their faces unattractive so that people will see them fasting. I tell you the truth, they have their reward. They were doing it to get other people's attention, not God's. But when you fast, put oil on your head, wash your face so that it will not be obvious to others when you are fasting, but only to your Father who is in secret. I want to make a note here. There is a big difference between being seen fasting and fasting to be seen. Now, I think often we're like, hey, this is a secret so nobody can know. And, you know, it's like very, very hidden, which is not a bad thing. We're supposed to be um, private. It's supposed to be something between us and God. But if you're, you know, going around at work and someone's like, hey, I noticed you, you missed lunch. Like, what's going on? Like, you didn't eat. That's okay to be like, well, I'm, I'm fasting today. Because your goal isn't doing it so that other people can see you. But on the other hand, fasting to be seen is like, oh, I'm so hungry. Well, eat something. Oh, I can't. I'm fasting today. That is not the right heart that God wants. The reward that you want, somebody else noticing, you got. And that's it. There's nothing else in it other than that. But when you fast, put oil on your head, wash your face, so it not be obvious to others that you're fasting, but only to your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. Really? Yeah. It says he will reward you. God rewards those who fast like this. So what is the reward? Well, he fulfills the longing of our hearts. We want more Jesus. He gives us more Jesus. Don't you want that? Don't I want that? Sometimes I think it's because I don't really know what I'm missing. I've just become okay going through life the way I am and be like, you know, it's all right, you know. But when you've tasted of his goodness and his grace in your life, it's one of those things you just want more and more. There's another thing that happens when we fast. This is a byproduct of our fasting. In our fasting, we trade our physical weakness for spiritual strength. Because the strength is in our own, is in our own. It's of it's of Christ. So you want a spiritual breakthrough? You want to see the chains break off? Sometimes that only comes through prayer and fasting. And we see that. The story after Jesus was on the Mount of Transfiguration, he comes down and his disciples are having an argument because there was a demon-possessed boy. And they were trying to cast it out, and the demon wouldn't leave. 
And it's not like they hadn't had success before because they had gone out and Jesus had sent them out and they came back and like, Jesus, the demons were cast out. They're like, whoa, this is crazy. He's like, hold on. Don't celebrate that. What you should celebrate is that your names are written in heaven. That's an even bigger miracle. I mean, think about that for, for a while. But they come, they come there and they can't cast it out. I'm like, Jesus, what's going on? So Jesus shows up and he's like, get out and it's gone, which is cool because, I mean, that's the power of Jesus. And so the disciples go and they ask Jesus, like, why couldn't we do that? You know, Jesus, Jesus is honest with them. He's like, it's because of your little faith. And then he continues. He's like, this kind can only be cast out with prayer and fasting. Sometimes there's things in our lives that we can't deal with without prayer and fasting, without seeking after Christ with everything. Saying, you know what, I'm willing to give this up. I'm willing to give this up to see this breakthrough. And when we fast, we're trading physical weakness for spiritual strength. Because, I mean, this is, this is the reality of it. Our battle is not against flesh and blood it's against the rulers and the principalities and the rulers in the heavenly realms. It's a spiritual battle. So why don't we want spiritual strength? We need it. The other thing that's really important about this is he said this kind can only come out with prayer and fasting. If you take the prayer part out of your fasting, if you take the connecting with God, the being on your knees before him, the crying out to him out of your fasting, then I would say it becomes useless. If you're just trying to white knuckle it through, just I'm going to just not eat food for this whole day and I can do it, and you're not going to God, then that misses the point again of what our fasting is supposed to be like. We fast physically in order to feast spiritually. But how can you feast spiritually if you don't go to the one who is the bread of life? We need to bring Jesus with us. We need to seek him in it. I mean, there's, there's a lot of times that I get busy about my day and I forget. And it's like, you know, I forget to bring Jesus in. I'm just like, well, I've got to get this done. I, I fall back into the Old Testament style of fasting just because i got to do the rules. But there's a beautiful thing that happens to our bodies. Our stomachs start, and you start to feel that pain, that hunger. And it's this awesome thing that's like, remember to pray. What are you doing this for? Every time you feel that gurgle, that hunger pain, it's, it, it drives us to pray. It's a reminder to pray, which is pretty cool. Last, last little thing about this is in regards to fasting and spiritual breakthrough. Jesus fasted for 40 days in the desert before he went into his temptation with the devil. Jesus fasted before going into temptation. I think that should be something that causes us to stop and think for a while. When we're going into temptation, when there's temptation that we're battling, are we like, man, maybe I should fast you know, and pray through this? Or is it like we're just going to try to white-knuckle it again? I think Jesus sets us an example of what we should be doing. How bad do we long for Christ? Because that is what it is. Man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. That's what Jesus quoted that was his weapon against the enemy in his temptation. 
See, fasting like this, fasting the way that Jesus shows us, the way that Jesus tells us here, it brings us closer to him. Have you marveled at God's goodness? Have you tasted of Christ's grace? Have you wept in his forgiveness and felt his love's embrace? Because there is more, and he is waiting to meet you in that place where your sins have been forgiven and you long to see his face. Let's pray. Oh Lord, I cry out and I ask that you would fill us with this desire, fill us with this longing for more of you. That we would understand, that we would truly believe that you are better than anything this world has to offer. God, grow that desire in us. for your glory, for your honor, for your praise, Jesus, that your name may be known through the whole world. So we pray in your name, your precious name of Jesus. Amen. I want to end by reading Psalm 63. I think it is a beautiful depiction of this. O God, you are my God, earnestly I seek you. My soul thirsts for you, my flesh faints for you. As in a dry and weary land where there is no water. So I have looked upon you in the sanctuary, beholding your power and glory, because your steadfast love is better than life. My lips will praise you, so I will bless you as long as I live. In your name I will lift up my hands and my soul will be satisfied as with fat and rich food and my mouth will praise you with joyful lips. He says, in your name I will lift up my hands for my soul will be satisfied with fat and rich food. This comes from someone who has experienced the goodness of God through fasting and extended times with Jesus. So I want to pray and encourage you that this would be what our pursuit would be. More of Jesus. And if you want more of Jesus, um, we have a set free retreat coming up February 4th and 5th where we seek Jesus and his work in our lives. And I would encourage you to sign up for that. Check it out on our church center app. But I pray that you would go in the blessing and grace of our Lord Jesus Christ.